0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fan List Podcast. I'm Marcus Alley and joining me after a quick early morning lecture is Michael Gillett. How are you doing, mate?
1: I'm good, thank you. Very tired. Woke up 20 minutes before my lecture and the, the old quick rush to, to get there, but I made it to the Zoom call. So yeah, all good. I'm good. Uh, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Rough and ready, as always, but yeah, let's kick on towards some discussion of Vienna and Nur Sultan. So to get into it, Michael, let's kick off with the 500 tournament, the main event this week on the ATP Tour in Vienna in Austria. We're at the quarter-final stage now after some interesting results yesterday. Um, just three players that I've highlighted quickly to have a little chat about. One well, of the main ones, you'd have to say, is the resurgence we've seen of Grigor Dimitrov, particularly in the last couple of weeks. He's made his way into the quarter-final stage in Vienna to face Dan Evans. Such a great sight to see Dan Evans competing in the latter stages of these tournaments week to week now. Um, but Dimitrov has really caught the eye, beating Karen Hatchinov in, in in straight sets in his first match. Hatchinov a player that we both had to get to the quarterfinal and um, got to a quarterfinal last week as well. But then even more eye-catchingly yesterday, getting past the Greek player and ATP Tour Finals winner, just as Dimitrov was in 2017, Stefanos Tsitsipas in three sets, really caps off an, an excellent run for the Bulgarian. And um yeah, triggered quite a lot of um debate off um off air last night about how far Dimitrov can um can progress should he come back to his to his previous heights. Um just just initially on, on this tournament first and foremost, what have you made of Dimitrov? You know, t- two really excellent wins against two exciting young players.
1: Yeah, Dimitrov has been really, really impressive of late. Um and yeah, but two matches you wouldn't have expected him to win game pass, Hatchinoff very convincingly. Uh and then that that tussle with Sitsipas uh the other day who, you know, Sitsipas himself was in quite a bit of form, gave Djokovic uh a really was it Djokovic at the French? Um yeah, gave Djokovic at the French uh, a really good match. So um yeah, really impressed with Dimitrov. I think it's always hard with Dimitrov though, because I don't know we we're having this discussion yesterday today, he can often do this, sort of turn up, play very well at events, very much like he did at the 2017 uh, ATP Tour Finals, but it's, it's consistency that's the key for him. But if I'm, I'm just going down his results, and he is building up a consistency at the moment, he's he's made deep rounds uh, of the last three tournaments he's played, this being the fourth um, and yeah, so yeah, it is really good from him. He's 29 now, uh, and I hope that maybe we can still see a little bit to come from him. We know he's got the quality. He's definitely an underachiever in terms of what he can do. Um, and and maybe you know, Vienna, of course, is not a big enough. Uh, is not on as big stage as the Grand Slams, the Masters. But but if we if if he can build these performances, then hopefully he can build on these and. Uh, take it to a a, a bigger stage Um, and I'm really excited for Dimitrov-Evans, I think that'll be a really good match they're both two really exciting players to watch Um, and it's hard to call which way that one's going to go obviously you would make Dimitrov favourite having got those two big wins under his belt whereas Evans probably had uh, two kind first round draws he's had uh, Bedene and Rodino Rodino, 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 Rodionov I say that properly um so yeah, I think um Dimitrov definitely had the better wins, but Evans come through his matches quicker. Bedene actually uh, retired in his match. So uh, Evans' been on court quite a bit less. So um be interesting to see if, if that has an impact.
0: Yeah, I was surprised to learn that Dimitrov was as young as twenty-nine. I thought maybe he'd he'd uh, he'd broke into into his early thirties. Such has been his, his sort of lack of um don't want to say relevance but um significant contributions on the on the tour in the last couple of years particularly since his win at the ATP tour finals you know it did seem immediately after that that um he found it a little bit difficult to get as motivated as he once was uh, when he pushed um you know when he pushed as high to get into that tournament and of course come out and win it he got as high as world number three after winning that title and um but yeah obviously uh, one memory that sticks out is in beating uh, Andy Murray at Wimbledon in 2014. That was his first Grand Slam semi-final he um, he reached as a result of that. And that was back in 2014. So, you know, he he was uh, 23 then. And we thought, you know, the sky's the limit. This guy's going to be competing for slams, you know, more regularly than not. And we haven't really seen that. He's got to two other Grand Slam semi-finals since the Australian Open and the US Open. But... Yeah, I mean, it is a little shame, eight career titles, but no, um, I don't believe he's won a Masters in there. Um, so, yeah, Grigor Dimitrov, hopefully, still a lot more to come for that match. Yeah, it's a tough one to call, I think, possibly a, a three-setter in there, but yeah, should definitely be a very interesting match. Um, to move on to another quarter finalist, another player who's been able to rediscover a little bit of form, and that's Kevin Anderson, the former Wimbledon and US Open finalist, of course. He managed to um, grind his way past a tough test in the first round with Dennis Novak in three sets, and then managed to beat um, the in-form player Pablo Carreno Busta in, in, in straight sets in in the last round. So it's nice to see Anderson back on the well in the latter um, latter stages of a of a tour event. Um, not a player that I enjoy the style of particularly on the eye, but um you know, good to see after a, a tough year last year with injury, um, for him to come back in this fashion. And um he sets up a uh, a big serving quarter final with the Russian player
2: Daniil Medvedev.
1: Yeah, um I'll just just had a little look. Uh, Dimitrov did win Cincinnati Masters in twenty seventeen. Um, that's his only Masters title. That was just before he won the uh, ATP finals. Um, yeah, no, really good week from Kevin Anderson, who, to be honest, is a player that I did sort of think was maybe not at the end of his career almost, but at the end of sort of what we know Anderson to be and being that top player, he's ranked 111th now Um He's had, since coming back, didn't really get very far in either Cincinnati um, or US Open, went out in the first round of the US, albeit that was to Alexander Zverev. Um, but yeah, two really good wins. I was not expecting him to beat Krenio Bustu, who's, who's a decent player on an indoor court. Um, but I believe he's beaten Djokovic at the Shanghai Masters a few years ago in indoor tournament. Um and and after struggling a little bit to get past Denis Novak, albeit that was um, that was his home tournament uh, Novak, so so maybe there's that. But um, yeah, I think Anderson Medvedev. It's an interesting match, but I, it's not one I see Anderson having much of a chance in. I think I think Medvedev should get through that quite comfortably. Um, they've never actually played before their first match, but I, I can't see Medvedev having too many problems. There, um, Medvedev himself, just a word on him, he's got through uh, against two fairly. The first opponent, Jason Jung, a, a player that you'd expect to get through. I think he was a lucky loser, Jung. He beat Jung in straight, And a tough match actually yesterday against Vasek Pospisil. But um, yeah, I, I don't I don't think the, the Russian will have too many problems against Anderson
0: have to agree there, yeah. Medvedev Medvedev, for me. You know, Addison getting past Corona Busta looks like a great result on paper, but despite reaching the last four at the US Open and the quarters of the French Open, the Spaniards' form has slowed down a little in uh, in recent weeks. Um, then the last player that I'd just like us to touch on is Lorenzo Sonego of, of Italy, the world number 42. He's just 25 years old, actually. I thought he might have had a couple more years on that. So it shows that there's He's got time to um, to develop and push his ranking even higher. He got past Duzan Lajewicz in the first round in straight sets, and then Hubert Herkash, the precocious Polish player in the second round in straights and sets up what you'd have to say, maybe a Dreamport finance like Novak Djokovic after Sonigo um, made his way into the first round as a lucky loser after losing to Aliash Bedeneh in qualifying. So an interesting week. Um, you know, good good to see. So there you go, putting together some good tennis on the tour once again after, of course, winning his first tour title last season. Um, but yeah, pushing up to um, 42 in the world, looks like a player who can who can kick on into into that um, top 40, maybe even push the top 30. If you can keep this form up, the Hercash win does stick out. You know, Livic not necessarily a hard-court player. Um, But yeah, beating Hercas in straight sets, they were both tie breaks. He had to grind them out, but um, came through 7-2 in the last one quite comfortably. Um, So yeah, just a bit of kudos for Lorenzo Sonigo and he sets up that match with Djokovic, which of course is a a real uphill battle.
1: Yeah, very good from Sonigo. I think I always say that I think lucky losers tend to have quite a bit of energy behind them. You know, they're just... Maybe they can just relax a little bit more, a little bit less to play. Well, there's not less to play for, but I don't know. There is there is a weird trend that lucky losers do seem to come out with some some big results, and not without looking at the rankings. Uh, I would assume that being two places off, Sanego will probably go top forty uh, after this week when the new rankings come out. I would assume maybe the quarterfinals at five hundred, and maybe just giving him a good enough amount of points just to creep up a little bit. Um, but yeah, of course, the match against Djokovic, um, I'm not expecting it to be a classic. Djokovic uh, come through two tough matches, actually, in straight sets, in Kudzinovic and Koric. Uh, but, but, and, and when I was doing my predictions for this tournament, I was really pondering whether to put Koric to beat Djokovic because we have seen, on a sort of smaller stage, we have seen Koric beating Federer. Um, I believe he beat, uh, I can't remember what the event was, but I remember him beating Federer. Uh, at an event in, in the last couple of years, he camping out some some big results, courage So um, I think that was very good from, from Djokovic to get through that. Um, how he did, although it's 13-11 in the first set tie break, saving three set points off courage and then winning the second one quite comfortably. But um, yeah, so Djokovic, I think, will we'll come through that one. I don't think that'll be much of a spectacle. Um, what I do think will probably be the spectacle is the, the fourth quarter quarterfinal, uh, which I'm sure you're just about to come on to, in uh, Alexander Rublev against Dominic Thiem. We were starved of um, a brilliant match between Rublev and Sinner. As Sinner pulled out very early on with a foot injury, hopefully he's okay. Looks like his season's probably over with only one more event that he was down to play. Uh, it was really real shame because he's real, really... um took the tennis world by grasp in the last couple of months with, with how he's been playing. Um, but yeah, Rublev comes up against the the home favourite Dominic team. Both of them uh, not dropped a set yet. Obviously Sinner got quite, a, uh, sorry, Rublev got quite a bit more energy uh, having not played that match, but the uh, team looking very impressive against Garin in the last round.
0: Yeah, that's got to be the standout tie, I'd have to say. Um, just a quick mention for another player: Vasek Pospisil inflicted probably the biggest shock of the tournament so far, knocking out his compatriot Felix Auger-Alias seeing the twenty-year-old in straight sets in the first round. Felix couldn't back up those two strong weeks in Germany, moving across Europe to Austria in um, this week. But you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he can recover. You know, it has been a busy schedule for for the twenty-year-old, and then Pospisil, obviously going out to Daniil Medvedev, just to conclude. Our verdicts on Vienna so far, if we just want to run through um, a couple of, well, just a prediction for each quarter final. I know we've both got Novak Djokovic to beat Andrey Rublev in the final on TennisDrawChallenge.com, um, but for the four quarterfinals, I'm just going to go Djokovic to beat Sonego, Evans to beat Dimitrov, Medvedev to beat Anderson, and I'll stick with Rublev to beat Dominic Team.
2: Um. Yeah, I would
1: still stick with my Djokovic-Rublev final. Djokovic to win it. The only difference to you is I'm probably going to go for Dimitrov to beat Evans. I think you said Evans to beat Dimitrov. I think I'm right in saying that. Um, just now, but I, I think I'll go for Dimitrov to beat Dan Evans.
0: moving further across Eastern Europe to Kazakhstan and the 250 in Nur Sultan. There's been a couple of shocks, as, as you'd expect in, in 250 tournaments, very wide open, particularly this one, as we uh, earmarked earlier in the week that the top seed Benoit Paire was a player that we both had to go out in the first round. And then, um, obviously, the second seed, Miamir Kecmanovic going out in his first match. So I think he got... I don't Yeah, they both got buys in the first round, but in their first matches... Um, Keshmanovic losing to Francis Tiafo, who is the first man into the semi finals after beating Igor Gorasimov in three sets. Quite a brutal match winning that one. Um, 7 6 5 7 7 5, I believe I've got that right. Um, so, yeah, Tiafo is the first man in, in the semi finals. That gives us three more quarter finals to have a quick look into. Before we go into those, just a couple of names. I think deserve a bit of praise. The first one for me, is good to see back on the tour, is Mackenzie McDonald, 25-year-old American. Has struggled with injury in the last couple of years and finds himself outside the top 200, but has really put together some strong performances this week. I think we've seen, um, due to a protected ranking in certain events, him have little inroads uh, after lockdown, but not really produce any of the form that saw him push the top 50, I believe, before he got injured. Um, so, yeah, he, he's come through this week with an um, impressive straight sets win in, in his first match against Alexander Public, a player that we both had to um, progress to the final in this tournament. And then a, uh, a tricky opponent, but he managed to come through a match against Andreas Seppi in three sets in the last round to set up a quarter final with Adrian Manarino. Um, not a player that we've spoken about before on the podcast, but um, yeah, M- Mackenzie McDonald's been. Been good to see him back and uh, flying the American flag again.
1: Yeah, ranked two hundred ninth now. I, I, has he has he had injury problems? I, I assume he must have done. Uh, a player that had sort of slipped out of my mind, uh, to be honest. And um, I can't really tell you much about about what he's done recently. But uh, he's played actually. I'm just saying now he played a lot of the exhibition tennis over the. Um, the suspended period and and actually got some really good results of them. I know we're not massively uh fond of the exhibition tennis or, or that bothered about it, but he did win a lot of his matches and um and yeah he's he's got some good wins since the, the restart and especially this week against Bublik uh, and Seppi, both tough players to beat. And as you said, we both had Bublik to get to the final, so um. I think that was definitely a big win and um, you're definitely give him a chance against Manarino today, although Manarino has been playing well at this tournament and he's got a couple of good wins under his belt. I think we could definitely see McDonald win that. I, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's a very open draw when I look at this. I think you went for a punt on Tiafoe to win it and... As much as I hate to say it, in terms of how predictions go, I I think you're looking very good to get that right. I look at the draw left, and I think um, I think Tiafo's is definitely my my favourite to win that. Um, but yeah, no, Mackenzie McDonald brilliant week for him. Um, and it would be interesting to see how he does in that match against Manorino.
0: Yeah, he actually his career high was fifty seven, and he got that as as recent as April twenty nineteen. So it's been quite a. Catastrophic dip um, in the rankings for him, but yeah, no, good to see him back. And I think that'll be a close match, but I make him narrow favourite against Manorino. Um The second player that I'd like to praise is Emil Roussevori, Once again, the young Finnish player, just 21 years old, he's 91 in the rankings, and um, he got past Jordan Thompson in three sets in the last round, who of course have knocked out Cameron norio who's shown some good form in the last couple of weeks. Um, in, in the first round, so that was an impressive win for Russovori. He sets up a quarter-final tie with Mikhail Kakushkin. I mean, the main reason I want to talk about Russovori is I can see him getting to the final. Just a early sort of shout. Um, Kakushkin, I, I had to lose this match to to Nori, I believe, who I had to get to the semi final, and then with Manarino and Mackenzie McDonald as as in the other quarter. Well, yeah, in, in the other quarter of. Of that top half of the draw, I think it's a really good opportunity for the 21-year-old to make his first ATP Tour final. Um, an interesting player, great ground strokes, but not a, not a very um, uh, physical player. Not as not as strong as some of the some of the big serving youngsters we've seen come through in the, in the last few years. But an interesting player, and coming up against uh, one of the wise old owls of the top 100 at the moment in uh, Mikhail Kakushkin in the quarter final could produce quite an interesting match for Kuskin obviously knocking out top um, top seed Benoit Paire in this tournament. But um yeah, I think Rousseauvori should should have enough to get past him and and make the
2: last four. Yeah, a good test for
1: Rousseau because I think Kukuskin is um a very tough opponent. He um although he's maybe not the most spectacular player in the top one hundred in the sense that he's sort of just been steady for quite a long time um, I think especially on his home surface you know and he, he, he's played well this week beating Bedmore Pair of course even though he probably was favourite to win that anyway um, but I think it's a really good test for his Rory I also would make him favourite and I would probably back him to win that um, but as you say 21 years of age it's, it's a really good chance for him to, even to win a title I mean you say he could get to the final. I think any any man in this draw could win the title. It's one of those tournaments, and if Rusevori could kick off his, because um, you know, if he could win this title, he he would have a title earlier than Sinner. I believe I don't believe Sinner's won his title um, earlier than Sebastian Corder. Um, just all of these other young guys coming up that haven't won titles yet. But I think this is a really good chance for Rusevori, who compared to people like Sinner isn't being talked about as much, ranked down at uh, 98th. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a really, really good chance for him. And I think if he gets through this match against Kukuskin, which I, I think is a tough match, I, I do think he's he'd definitely be favourite for whoever he plays in the semi-final in Manorino or McDonald's. Though Manorino's got the ranking... Whether I don't, I just feel that Roussevori would beat him. Um, So, yeah, no, really interesting to see how this draw goes. As I say, I think it's really just a a bit of a lottery who could win it, but I would make Tiafo the favourite, but I give Roussevori a really good chance.
0: Yeah, I'll stick to my guns with Tiafo to win the tournament, and yeah, I'll go with uh, him to beat Emil Roussevori in the final, just to run through my predictions for the final three quarterfinals I'm going to stick with Rusevori then Mackenzie McDonald and then in a close match that we both we've both predicted correctly this these these guys to make their um their way to the quarterfinals and that's Tommy Paul taking on John Millman I'll have to stick to my guns and go with the American Tommy, Tommy Paul I um, but I think John Millman's quite managed to recover the form he showed before lockdown after it so yeah Paul for me um, i have a feeling you're going to disagree but yeah that's uh, that's the last three quarterfinals previewed in, in the saltan
1: well i'm going to predict francis tfo to beat grasimov um you know because that that's already happened um i'll stick with Milman. um i'll probably go for manarino to beat McDonald. um yeah, I'll, I'll go for Manorino and uh, I'll go for Roussevori and then I will go for, I'm going to backtrack on what I said uh, a couple of minutes ago. I'm going to go for Manorino to get to the final and beat Roussevori uh, and... but
0: Tiafo to beat Manorino in the final. Fair enough, yeah. There's a late call, there's a late knee-jerk reaction to uh, on the side of once dubbed pointless player Adrian Manarino to reach the final of the 250 in Nur Sultan. So that concludes our analysis of the tournament so far. I hope you enjoyed that update. But to conclude the episode, Michael's going to hit me with a guess the player.
1: So. After your guest-to-player last week was Taro Daniel, I was thinking of going very, very harsh and giving you someone like um, Lloyd Glasspool, but uh, I didn't. Uh, I think this one's maybe a a bit nicer. We brought it back to kind of normal guest-to-player territory after the couple of harsh ones that we've had in the uh, recent weeks. So clue number one. Uh, In the rankings, this is vague as ever, uh, in the rankings, I am sandwiched between Anderhar and Simón.
0: So they are the players, either side of this player in the rankings. Interesting. Okay, so it could be something like 55, 56. I think Anderhar was 54 before last week. I'm not sure whether he's fallen away. Um, so someone in that ballpark, I'll have to go for Sam Query. Uh Good shout, but no. Uh, I, I realise maybe I,
1: you do tend to know sort of the, the groupings in the rankings quite well, so maybe that was a, a good first clue to give you. Uh, clue number two I won two titles last year.
0: Okay. Two titles in 2019, yet I think he's around 55, 50 to 60 in the rankings, okay. Right, so I'm trying to think of players that did absolutely nothing else outside of winning those two titles. Um, Maybe a clay guy. Maybe, mm, I know some Feliciano Lopez won one title at Queen's. I'm not sure if he won a second, but then if there is a small grass event, he could probably walk into one of those as favourite. So yeah, let's go for Feliciano Lopez.
1: Nope, not Feliciana Lopez, but I, I do like your thinking. Uh, clear number three, I have not played since retiring from my first round at the Australian Open this year against Alexi Popperin. Oh, God. So it's a player who hasn't actually played since January, hence why their ranking might be a little bit lower than the two titles would suggest. Hmm,
0: Interesting.
1: These ones are always a bit harder because yeah, someone I and,
0: uh, haven't really thought about for a while. Luca, Luca Puiz popped into my head, but I think I did him quite recently, so it's not going to be him. Um, haven't played in a well since January, won two titles last year, and then it's just failed to live up to anything really. Um, Misha Vera's run titles, but I wouldn't say. No, he's not that high in the rankings. No, it's not him. Also played recently, I think.
1: Yeah, 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 of of recent.
0: Hmm. Alexi Popirin. That was a little shock. Who did you manage to beat? But they've managed to sustain their ranking because of COVID, basically. Um, Not easy. Um, let's go for Jeremy Shardy haven't seen him in a few weeks Uh, it is not Jeremy Shardy no Um,
1: but clue number four I think might might give it uh, help you a little bit Uh, I am French but not Jeremy Shardy
0: another French player right let me rattle through about the 12 or 13 French players in the top 100 (laughs) right two titles last year
2: I think Eber's a little bit lower than that. He's probably played recently. Hasn't played in a while. Uh I should should be getting this really.
0: There's another French inactive player alongside Lucas Puy that we haven't uh we haven't yet spoke of on this podcast. Oh, come on. Um, I mean, Edward Roger-Vasselin was an outstanding player in his day, but I don't think he won two titles last year.
2: Did Roger-Vasselin play last year? No. <laughs> Maybe a bit of doubles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: It's always the Frenchies that get me. It is a hard one. There are a lot of them. Ah. No, move on. I'll have to get it on the buzzer. Okay. Yeah. Move on. Yeah, the fifth clue, I've got a couple of options to give you for this one. I know one will definitely give it away. I'll, I'll give you this one. Um it should give it away. Um I've been as high as five in the rankings.
0: Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah, I forgot this guy a couple of weeks ago as well. Get well soon, mate. Joe wilfrid Songa.
1: Joe Wilfrid-Songer, um, who, well, my fifth clue was going to be I made the final of the Australian Open in 2008. That's his one grand final. I think, I wonder if Joe wilfrid Songa I don't think he's announced retirement or anything, but uh, he, over lockdown, he's... Um, been putting a lot of stuff up on Facebook with a, a player that I, I really like and I, I follow a lot on, on social media because he, he was one of my first tennis players that I remember really watching and liking. And he's been putting up a lot on social media with with his son. Um, I reckon he's probably only about one or two years old, his son, um, and sort of just family life and that. And I, I wonder if maybe he's – um the, the COVID has maybe just sort of I, I, I don't know. He hasn't. I, I haven't seen anything about him coming back at the end of this year. We'll have to keep an eye out over sort of December to see if he comes back next year. I'd really like to see him in a last tournament, and we, we know it's his last tournament, because it, for a player that I've literally loved to watch, and he was my favourite tennis player for a long time, I would love to watch a match and know that it's his last match and, and be able to uh, watch him bow out. But I, I do wonder if maybe... We're not going to see a lot more, if anything, from Joe Wilfred Tonga to
0: come. I agree. Thirty-five years of age now. Yeah, it'd be nice yeah. to, um, yeah, have a good send off. You know, sad to see him go. But one of the great entertainers, I think, in our sort of era that we've been watching tennis, someone that loves loves to get the crowd going. And even though he was an absolutely world class player, you know, sustained the top ten for a number of years. We saw him competing at those ATP Tour finals consistently. Uh, made the final, of course, in one of them, if not more than one. Um, so yeah, no, a great player, and um, yeah, I, I agree. It would would be nice to see him come back, maybe like Marseille last year, as his last, uh, next year as his last tournament, or something along those lines. Yeah, great. Well, the
1: French Open, the French Open would maybe be quite nice, really in May for him to go. He's although he is French, he's not actually had brilliant successes at the French. He made the semi final in twenty fifteen, but uh, other than that, he that the French you notoriously know, don't do brilliantly at the French. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, ho- hopefully we do see a bit more from him. But I, I do just kind of get the vibes from seeing the stuff he posts up on social media that his heart isn't really in tennis now. And he looks like he's, he's very happy, uh, with, with his, with his young son and, uh, and, and, and wish him well and everything. But yeah, I, I very much hope he does come back in his training because, um, it
0: would be very nice to see him. Exactly that's uh that's your thought for the day ponder the uh tennis future of Joe Wilfrid Songa hopefully hopefully we we'll, we will see him back at least I still believe that he can win that grand slam that he never won I still believe <laughs> <Very hopeful. laughs> I believed for so long
1: every when I was I don't know during that sort of what was it maybe 20 sort of 2010 to 2015 16 time he was always up there in the hat and and yeah I always I always believed that he could do it and he never did.
0: Well, still cr- a, cr- a great career all the same. But um, that guest, the player, Joe Wilfrid-Songa, concludes this episode of the Tennis Fanalist podcast. It's actually the 25th episode, so a small milestone, halfway to the half century. Um, thanks for joining me as always, Michael.
1: I didn't realise it was, it was that anniversary. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much. And uh, I'll, I'll look forward to the next one, the, the 26th one.
0: Brilliant. Uh, Yeah, look forward. We'll be previewing more tournaments at the start of next week and reacting to the conclusions in Vienna and Nur Sultan. Thanks for listening.